Hey you. Yeah, you. The one trying to make a video game. I've got someone here that can help you, and that someone is Intel, which is not a someone, it's a company. But this company, they are going to help you as if they were a somebody and a someone and also a something. Check out software.intel.com slash gamedev to find out how Intel is making sure all the innovation in gaming continues to happen on the PC as part of the Intel Game Dev program. Again, that URL is software.intel.com slash gamedev. Sign up and start something new. It's the internet, you're busy, let's do this. Welcome to the Games Beat Decides podcast. It is a podcast where we decide everything about the world of video games, so you never, ever have to think for yourself. I'm your host, Jeffrey Grubb. With me is... It's me, Mike Minotti. Wow, Jeff, you really mean everything? Everything. Wow. No, we we miss, (laughs) we we usually miss like a couple big stories a week, so (laughs) no, clearly not. Um... We're liars is what this podcast is really about. <laughs> oh, can we just call it Game Liars? Game Liars. That would be way better. That's... Man, we fucked up. <laughs> um, uh, how you doing, Mike? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. It's like, it's crazy, man. There's like, all of a sudden, this week, there's so many games to play. Yeah, it just kind of, and like, I, in, like, intellectually, I knew this week was going to happen, but I wasn't like, actually preparing uh, myself for it in any way, and then it's like, oh, man, now I'm like, I'm playing like three games right now, and then there's all these other... Old games I started for some goddamn reason. Right. No, it's like I knew something would happen. Then it's like, oh, it turns out Celeste is... Or, how do you say yeah. it? It's like, it's like, turns out that's a must-own game. Like, oh, yeah. okay. okay. So uh-huh. I better buy that then. Yep, totally. Um, we'll, we'll get into all this stuff real quick. Uh, first, uh, we're going to go over some... Well, here, let me do like the credits and stuff. Uh, we're okay. going to get in the news. We're going to talk about some games. Uh, the news section's really big this week, so we won't have a second segment again. Like Honestly, yeah. it's going to act like its own second segment again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get more from me and Mike at gamesbeat.com. If you have something to share with us, uh, you can always email the podcast at gamespluspodcast at ventribute.com. That's the plus sign in there. Um, we can also get us on Twitter at GamesBeat or at GBDecides. If you are watching the video version of this on Facebook or YouTube or Twitch, uh, there is an audio version and you get that wherever, wherever pods are caught. That's on Apple podcasts, Google play, all that stuff. Um, finally, if you like the show, rate us on Apple podcast, it, it really helps. Um, Mike, before the show, like right before I saw a headline that said 50 cent just discovered that he has $8 million in bitcoins. <laughs> well, good for him. Yeah, apparently he was like, uh, uh, he like let people buy his album a couple years ago, well, a bunch of years ago now, uh, with bitcoins, and he forgot about it. And like two years ago, he declared <laughs> bankruptcy, and he's like, oh shit, I got bitcoins. Like, yeah, that shit is worth a lot. Well, if anybody deserved it, <laughs> totally, exactly. I mean, he did. You know, well, I don't know if it was his blood that got in the sand, or if it was his enemy's blood in the sand. But uh, Fifty Cent, you, you, you're confused. You look confused. I'm trying to make a reference to 50 Cent Blood in the Sand. <laughs> I know, right? Did you ever actually play any of his games? I, no. I, made a lot of, I feel like I made a lot of jokes about them, but I didn't actually play them. No, I, I didn't. But I, I, that, I apparently that, that Blood in the Sand game is 
playable and kind of like really fun in a dumb way. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of I've always meant to like go back and actually play it, but do it now. Yep. Um, Mike, we should probably just talk about what we actually are playing. Um, there's a bunch of stuff here. Why don't we? Uh, here, here, let me knock off the stuff that I've just played that you haven't, and then we got a couple games that we've got overlap sure. on, and we'll hop into those. Uh, so you mentioned it already, Celeste, uh, a must-play game. Uh, it's really, really, really good. I'm like three worlds in. Um, I would be a lot further. I want to be playing this game probably more than anything else right now, but there's just so many other things I got to like at least get my hands on. Uh, and I'm like doing the Shadow of the Colossus review and things like that. Uh, but that's right, you yeah. are review that game for me. Yeah, Do it. exactly. Yeah, you're like, hey, just take this. All right, fine, whatever. I, could play. I, I beat that game once. I could probably do it again. Yeah, you, you got that. Um, but yeah, Celeste, it's like Super Meat Boy, but with like a, a kind of a more linear progression where instead of like just going over like from one level to another in a world map, you are going from like the, the it's like kind of stitched together like a Metroid sort of thing. Yeah, There's like no backtracking. Super Meat Boy was always like it's about as arcadey as a platformer can get. I, I guess if that makes sense. Like all these kind of like yeah. individual small worlds and you know not not plot. Is, is there like a story to Celeste or is it kind of minimalist? Yes. Yeah. So cool. yeah, uh, it, uh, I I was thinking again. I'm only three worlds in. I'm like, okay, this is like your indie tropes. It's like hitting all those beats really hard. Like uh, the lead character whose name is not Celeste. It's Madeline. The yeah. mountain you're climbing is named Celeste. Um, she's like she talks about her anxiety and having panic attacks, and she talks about um, uh, uh, there's jokes about social media and selfies and stuff like that. So it's like huh. very much that like right trying to get in the the, the open youth culture of like discussing these things that you, you know you never see in other games um except for other indie games uh so i'm like okay you know i don't hate any of this but you know it's kind of what i was expecting from from an indie game story apparently from what i've read in other reviews uh people are saying that this story just keeps getting better and better and it's like it turns it into like a, a, a true classic so i was already thinking like the gameplay's so good um and i you know i guess i'll just explain like real quick what you do like uh it you know it's like Super Meat Boy, but like you have kind of three basic moves. You have your jump, but you also have an air dash, and you can control that. It's like eight way movement. Like you know you can go in any direction, uh, you know diagonal or forward, back, up and down. Um, and you can also climb if you just hold down like ZR on the switch. You could climb up walls like sheer walls. Uh, but there's like a, a stamina meter similar to Zelda, uh, and just that that's it. That's the, all the powers you get. But the, the way that they sort of keep things fresh is they just keep throwing different uh, obstacles in the into the levels that enable you to interact with them differently and kind of open up the possibility space. Uh, like there's these like giant black blobs that kind of get in the way and then you do something to unlock their power and now you could shoot yourself through them and uh, like to the other side. But if you like miss it and you shoot yourself into the wall, you'll die and have to start over again. And it's very challenging uh, similar to Super Meat Boy in, uh, in terms of its difficulty, um, but I, I'm feeling myself pulled through this game a little bit, you know, with a lot more strength than uh, Super Meat Boy, which is a game I, I really liked. I think because when I actually get past the stage, I can feel like I can leave it behind because it is stitched together. Whereas those courses on Super Meat Boy, I just wanted to perfect my score and get the number yeah. one time on my friend's leaderboard and stuff like that. So. I'm glad that stuff's not in here, although it does have a um, a speedrun timer as an optional thing you can add if you want. But, yeah, it's going to be a good speedrun game. Um, cool. Let's see, what else? Uh, you know, the Shadow of the Colossus remake. I could talk about it up to, like, level 8, uh, or the level 8, uh, the 8 Colossi. Isn't um, that kind of strange? Because, I mean, we, we know. Exactly, you know. yeah. It was, yeah, very strange. 
Um, who knows? Maybe there's some shit, wild shit after that. Maybe they changed a bunch of shit. Um, I, I, I don't. I think it's a, uh, it's a, like really beautiful port. Uh, but to me, and this is, I think might just be me. I thought, I think it's like too beautiful. I thought the old game had a really good look and right. Uh, Cause there's a specific art style to it. That might be hard to kind of just like carry over. Right. Right. I, yeah. But I mean, it's clearly possible because I, what I, I realized is you look at L- the last guardian and it still has that same like sort of shimmery feeling to it. Like it's yeah, but isn't Last Guardian also kind of like a PlayStation three game. Really? So maybe that's maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe it's exactly what happened there. Um, and they were just like relying on old tech and just saying, I ah, just keep it in there. It's an artistic choice. And maybe it really wasn't, maybe it was a technical limitation. Um, but I, I don't know. It's I'm getting over it. Like once you actually like get into the Colossi and see how good their fur looks in 4k, you're yeah. like, okay, this is actually still pretty, phenomenal and it's kind of um you know striking in its own way um but yeah that's kind of that's kind of it for me in terms of like just what i've been uh playing on my own we got a couple other games here that we i have one question about like shadow real yeah, quick like totally. I mean, well, like one thing you hear people say about the games like you know the controls were maybe a little stiff or kind of unresponsive sometimes and i'm not sure if i necessarily disliked that about the game uh but i guess i want to know like does it feel any different no, it feels exactly the same. So it, it, it's, it is stiff. Uh, I, I guess there is another control option. I haven't messed with that yet. I, it's my next thing I'm going to try. Uh, but I just kind of wanted to like go in with the default stuff because uh, they didn't really surface it. It wasn't like a thing you selected at the beginning. So I'll have to dive into the menus to sort of figure out where that stuff is. Um, and uh, yeah, like um, the first thing I did was try to get my horse to go where I wanted it to go. And it just would bounce into one pillar <laughs> after another. And it was very frustrating. And then, uh, you know, I've jumped off a bunch of cliffs because I thought I was lined up and I wasn't. And he carries momentum really strangely, just like he always did. It's exactly the same. So that, and then that's one of the things they said, uh, they rebuilt, they rebuilt the game from the ground up. It is a completely like graphically, it is completely new, but they've maintained everything else exactly like it was. So yeah, that's that. Um, but here, here's what I'm wondering about: Monster Hunter World. How much have you? Oh. How much time have you spent with that? I only just kind of got into it a little I mean, bit last night. So I'm yeah, I mean, you know, I did the review, but uh, yeah, I, I am like really enjoying this uh, game. I, I, I've dabbled with Monster Hunter a little bit. I think there was like that Wii U 3DS one I played. Uh, I think that was four or something like that. Monster Hunter Four Ultimate. And like I was like, oh yeah, I kind of get this. This is fun, but you know, I, I don't know how much I really want to uh, delve into this. But um, yeah, it, this game is just really grabs grabs you like much faster and is and way more impressive in just so many ways, right? Like it actually is beautiful, which is something that I think that's where it came furthest from, and maybe the E3 presentations for me. Like, I thought it looked okay at E3, but maybe unrefined, and like, this game just looks really nice now. Uh, like especially with like I'm doing it on PlayStation 4 Pro and the the 4K and the uh the glimmer and stuff like that. Uh, the lighting effects are just really really neat looking, but just like the loop is so satisfying, right? Where it's just go out on this mission. Almost all the missions are specifically like go kill one big monster, right? And that's what's fun in the game, anyways. Uh, you know, I'd rather be doing that stuff. So it's really cool to go out like do your one big uh, quest. It's this really interesting fight with this big monster that, that does all these things. They look awesome. Uh, right. Just like the, the animations of them, they, they really are convincing as monsters, even though they're ridiculous, right? Like one of them was a kind of lightning dinosaur, but when he flew, he looked like a, a flying squirrel stuff. And it sounds stupid, but like, it looks really cool. And then just like, after you do that, like 
just the progression loop every time. Like, okay, now I got these monster parts. Now what can I upgrade my stuff with? Uh, you know, yeah, just like going to the smithy every single time. Ah, oh, it's great. And the multiplayer is so kind of effortless, which is nice. Like, you can either just join a player's lobby. So, like, you can host a session for 16 players. And then you're all, like, in a world together. And then when somebody starts a quest, it's basically like, hey, he wants to go on this quest with this guy. And, like, four people can do that. If you don't want to go on that quest, you don't go on that quest. You wait for somebody else to start a quest. Maybe you do want to do. And if you want to just do even easier, like, online multiplayer, you have these SOS flares. It's kind of like the Dark Souls-y thing, right? Where you shoot this when you're in a mission, then another player can just join you if they want to and help you. You can also just, from, like, the town, go and join a player that way. So it's, like, really easy to just go in and join somebody else's game. I could, like, see immediately, like, the appeal. I've never really dove into a bunch of Monster Hunter before. This was, like, going to be my chance, just like I think it's going to be for a lot of people. And it's... I, you could see instantly, okay, I see how this loop is going to work. Um, you know, they, they kind of lay it out for you pretty simply. Uh, there are a ton of systems, but they haven't over overwhelmed me or anything yet, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. I'm like, right. no. I could sort of, like, learn them at my own p pace, and I think that's good. Yeah, there is a lot to it, which is neat, but, yeah, you do pick up on it, uh, like, pretty slowly. It, they are a bit... But they managed to be gradual without, like, making, like, you know, like, the first five hours of the game feel like a tutorial or something, which is a, a pitfall that a lot of GRPGs will fall into sometimes. Like, you're, you're doing the Monster Hunter thing pretty early on. And, yeah, just, like, a lot of things I know people have said about the series have been cool, but I'm kind of, like, discovering now, like, how there's all these different weapons and they all work so differently. Like, I just have the great swords. These are just the really big swords that are slow to swing, but they do a lot of damage. Then there's, like, weird things like the insect glaive, which it's, like, you know, a melee weapon, but you can also shoot out insects from it. There's basically, a, like, a bagpipe weapon where, like, based on the combo you form of it, you're playing different songs that can provide different buffs to your party, and that's neat. It's just one of my favorite things is how cool the the main town looks in the game, like your hub world. This little like kind of like sh like uh, like fantasy like sea town shanty town that's made out of like ships and tents and dragon bones, and it just looks really cool. Yeah, I um I like deeply considered the bagpipe as my first weapon, and I knew that was a bad choice. <laughs> it uh, probably is. It's fun. It's yeah. neat, but it's complicated. Yeah, totally. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna pick one of these like three star beginner weapons or whatever, and I end up with uh, the 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 big gun or whatever. It's it's fun. It's cool. It's like I like it. It's uh oh. kind of interesting, like going between the different ammos and seeing how different they are, and yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I kind of thought about the gun, because it's weird, because it really is, like, hold L2 to aim and R2 to shoot. It's a very different style than, like, what I'm doing with my big sword. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I really like kind of, like, just discovering, oh, yeah, I can, when I go over, like, the, the one that's, like, oh, it's going to slice or whatever, I forget what the actual ammo is called. Like, you just shoot one giant round in the, into the enemy, and it takes a couple seconds to explode, and when it does, it kind of does this, like, slice attack. And you're like, okay, yeah, I could see the various times where I could use, where I'm going to need one thing and and not the other, um, and, and you know, in the heat of the moment, you're just like switching between stuff, trying to figure out what's going to work and what's not. Um, yeah, it's it's been cool so far. Uh, do you think uh, that this is like like a replacement for Destiny Two for you or for a lot of people, or like well, World of Warcraft is what you're playing right now? Is that going to yeah, yeah, War, yeah, Warcraft has been my Destiny Two place. I mean, it's nice because it. it Destiny's proved two problems that it never knew what it wanted to be. Uh, this game knows what it what it wants to be, right? It's not necessarily a loot based game. It's kind of a like social mission based game, kind of like what like a Guild Wars one kind of thing. You know, it, it's not an MMO. Yeah, like Fantasy Star Online kind of. That, yeah, it's more yeah, like that, that kind language. of a thing, right? 
where the like there's a the progression is more from like your gear and upgrading and just like getting these hunts done as opposed to your loot and stuff like that. Okay, Mike. Um, so in addition to Monster Hunter World, um, we got some other games that were kind of coming out at the same time. Uh, Dragon Ball Fighters. Uh, how much time have you spent with this one? Not not as much as I would like, just because I was spending so much with with Monster Hunter. I haven't really delved into the story mode or anything. Just kind of been doing some some uh, you know local matches with my friends, but it's been really fun. I'm I'm really enjoying it. Like it honestly looks really cool, and and that stuff is awesome. Like it, it's it's so neat, especially like when things kind of line up where like both both players do like an energy move right. and like they get fired at the same time and like the camera's going all over the place. And, uh, yeah. This sounds really neat. Yeah. The camera is really smart. Like it knows what to do in those situations, which, which is always impressive. Yeah. It's really neat. Like that's cool. It's cool. Cause like it, like, right. The whole trick is that it looks like it's too deep, but it's not. Right. And then like when the camera's moving around, you're like, Oh man, that's right. That, that, that's really neat. Um, gameplay wise, I've been enjoying it too. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of pleased and maybe there's more, there's, it's, it's more complicated than I know because I haven't really done all the, yeah. the tutorials. But uh, Arc Systems games have kind of, I mean, maybe I would say a bad habit of being uh, overly complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, they're, they're a lot of fun, but they just have like so many systems and like a million different ways to spend uh, like your your meters and all this stuff that it can be a bit confusing, right? Like you can push these three buttons to break out of a combo, but you can push these threes to do a slight feint, right? Or, right? And it's like, okay, there's like just maybe too many options for whatever I can be doing. It seems more simple in Dragon Ball. It, um, you said you were playing like locally with friends. Um, mm-hmm. I think it is the kind of fighting game where if you are doing that, you're probably going to learn the systems relatively quickly, which I think is a good thing. I think that's what this, this Dragon Ball Fighters should have been. It's a game where if you are just kind of casually playing with buddies, uh, you know, sitting next to each other, kind of going back and forth, trying stuff, uh, you should learn it pretty quickly. And I think they nailed that. Right. And there's some, it seems like there's somewhat of a uniformity with like, obviously the characters have different moves and stuff, but like you can kind of have a basic idea what they all do. Like almost every character to do like their level one super is down forward in the top two buttons. And then right. to do the level three super is down backward in the bottom two buttons. So, you know, and obviously they're, they're different, but like you can, you kind of know how to right. do them all. And there's, you know, there's some more things like the A button I'm playing on Xbox. That's usually all of your energy based attacks. And then, like, you know, the other ones are, like, your strikes and stuff. So it's pretty easy to just, like, pick a new character and kind of get a feel for it. And it, uh, it looks it a few matches. really good in 4K, too, for sure. Um, oh, it's a pretty game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, a game that I do feel like, uh, for me personally, I'm just going to lose in the shuffle here with all these other things to play just because I don't have anyone to play with locally. So, uh, you know, I'm glad I'm, I'm kind of going through the story a little bit. It's, it's okay. The story mode is actually kind of disappointing, I think. But that's it's whatever because it, that's not what anyone's really going to be here for in the long run. Um, last game, I think, yeah, Sea of Thieves. Um, the beta, the closed beta started earlier this week. It's still ongoing. They've extended it. It's going to go through uh, the 31st now. Um, I, I've spent a, a couple of nights in this thing. Well, what's your experience been like? Yeah, I spent a night with it playing with my one brother, uh, AJ. It's, 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 I still have so many questions, right? right? And it's strange because, like, I'm having fun. Exactly, yeah. But, I don't know if I'm, like, going to have, like, I could do this a lot of fun, right? Like, right, that's the is question. there a, right, is there a novelty where it's off? It, it's very bizarre and interesting to see somebody go for this kind of an open world co-op experience without the usual RPG trappings that you right. expect from something like that, right? 
Like there's almost none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's it's completely kind of quest based. As and, far as we know, yeah. I mean, so I guess they're saying that, yeah. that beta has thirty percent of the content of the final game, and I'm I'm just wondering how that like breaks down because in the beta the loop goes like this: you go to your outpost island, you get a mission. Uh, you, you know, all the pirates vote on it. They go and do the mission, and that like this this almost always involves. You know, you get a, a a bunch of clues, and you have to run through those clues one by one to finally find a treasure chest. Or you get like a map that has an X on it, and you have to sort of find that on the bigger map and sell to it, and you get another treasure 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 chest. And then you take those back to the outpost island. Uh, meanwhile, you know, during this process, you're trying to avoid people who might be trying to come to kill you to steal your treasure. And these are other human players. Uh, and then if you get back to the outpost island, you get money and you can get some upgrades, basically. And then you go back out and do the same thing. And that loop, uh, I, I, I could see getting very repetitive very fast just during the beta, uh, just because, you know, these missions you're going on are, are relatively samey. Like, they have a lot of, yeah. they have a similar feel to them, each one of them. So, that that 70% of content that's not in this game, how is that... It seems important. Yes, it's important, and it's going to be really important if it's like, okay, is it just like, oh, no, there's like... Uh, you know, two and a half times more different, you know, versions of these same missions. And that's what we're considering the 70%. Or is it like other things that get dropped into the middle of this loop to shake things up, uh, to keep people, you know, in a varied experience. So it's not, you know, not every half an hour is exactly the same as the next and the one before it. Um, Yeah, that's my question. We'll have to see. Uh, At the same time, like what you said, when I'm in there, I am having fun. Like it is an Mm -hmm. interesting thing. They really do, you know, play up that the, the the teamwork aspect of it. You really do have to be working together in these situations, especially if you are, if you do go head to head against another pirate crew and their ship, and you start firing at one another. It's very intense, and people are yelling, and you got to be sort of figuring all these things on the fly. Uh, you know, all kinds of different stuff could be happening. Like uh, we had one thing where uh, we were getting attacked, and it was raining, and also the treasure chest we had was crying. So we're like, we're trying to figure out exactly why the ship is is filling with water. And it's like, oh, it's all three of these things. It's all these things. There's holes. The ship is the treasure chest is crying and filling up, filling it up, and the rain is actually doing it as well. We think. So it's and yeah, dealing with all these things with people who are kind of you know you're all just kind of having a good time one moment, and the next moment everything goes wrong. It's it, you could see the potential there, and I just hope that they have a really strong plan to deliver on that potential. Uh, right now, I'm just not. I'm not sure. I'm not certain. Right. Yeah, so just kind of like, yeah, again, it's fun and it's really neat when like you go up against their pirate ship and, but I'm still not sure like what you get from that aside from like their one treasure chest. Right. Right. So yeah, yeah there's still, I still have a lot of questions about it and like, you know, just like so many things, like I was playing with ages, just the two of us. So we're on a smaller ship and it seems like you're just inherently at a huge disadvantage no matter what against a you know a full ship at, at that point right is that something that should be balanced maybe not uh but that's the other thing too right is that like with monster hunter i can't play that by myself i do you cannot play sea of thieves by yourself yeah. you can even play world of warcraft by yourself and do a lot of there's, things there's an option like, there's, like there is the option there they get they say there like it's for experts only and you have this very tiny ship and you can do everything by yourself uh but it does mm-hmm. seem like it's just there as a way of saying, oh, yeah, you can play by yourself, but you shouldn't. It's not going to work out, I, I don't think, uh, at least for most people. Uh, most people come to this game thinking they can play by themselves. I think you're going to bounce off. 
Um, unless, they can, yeah, unless they can find a crew. I will say I, I did match me uh, into like the, the bigger cruise ships by myself a couple of times. Uh, and when I wasn't immediately put in the brig, which did happen, and I stayed in one for like 80 minutes once just to see what would happen. Turns out you just stay in the brig that entire time. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it does. You can make you can make that work. It did work for us, and it was it was fine. Um, I don't know. Okay, Mike, let's get to the news. Um, I, I'm a tired boy, so I'm going to have you help me do this uh, run down here. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't sleep last night. And I was like, I, I, I'm Jeff, I, I have a baby. <laughs> and I, I was at my desk earlier today. Uh, like I, well, I was right here, and I kept finding myself like waking up and still like being at my desk and like trying not to fall out of my chair. Um, well, then, all right, fun. all right, Mr. You trying to get my simpy? Yeah, give me some simpies. You want some simpies from Mike? Simpies from Mikey. (laughs) All right, let's do this. Um, There's a list of news here, but some stuff's happened since I made this list. Uh, Let me just do that before I forget. Oh no, no, I'm in charge of news. I got this. Oh god, here we go. All right, do it. So, so CNBC says that Activision's Destiny Two is struggling as gamers are unhappy over microtransactions. you know, the idea that play, you know, we know that game sold well, right? But the idea is that player engagement has been poor. Um, this, the article, uh, the analysis Doug uh, Kreutz, Kreutz said in this, uh, in a note to clients Tuesday that uh, Destiny is not in a good place because the uh, microtransaction implementation, well, not nearly as problematic as in Star Wars Battlefront 2, has still been a source of player unhappiness, he adds. Um you know, part of that is, I think, to me, just kind of a symptom of so many of other of Destiny 2's other problems. I think if Destiny 2 was a fun game to play a lot, people wouldn't care that much about... I mean, the microtransactions are ultimately cosmetic. Um, you know, maybe it's stupid, maybe you don't like it. I don't think it's by far the game's worst problem. The problem is that they, I, they're kind of depending on that stuff to help fund the game, I think, uh, in a big way. And nobody, first off, there aren't as many people playing as maybe they want to. And second off, I don't think very many of those people are bothering to buy bright engrams in the game. Right. And I mean, if people don't care like about these, um, or if, they're, if, they're, if they don't care about playing the game, they're going to find reasons to complain about, and the microtransactions are just kind of an easy target. So yeah, um, I, I think that like when he says it's not in a good place, I think that's a good way of saying like it's in a weak position com- relative to sure. a bunch of other games coming out that could sort of take that spotlight. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how that plays out. Destiny Two is gonna be an interesting game this year because I-, I think it's gonna be a rough year for them, basically until the fall expansion, and that's gonna be their one chance of kind of redeeming everything. But we'll see if the ship's been sunk by then or not. Right. Exactly. All right, what else we got? So uh, apparently EA has uh, pushed aside Dragon Age to focus on Anthem, um, which which makes sense, right? Anthem's the next big thing. There's a lot of pressure kind of following. I mean, you know, if I was a person making a game that was like Destiny 2 and I saw everything that was happening with Destiny 2, I'd be a little freaked out about my game. Oh, so, yeah, for sure. I would put every resource I had on that thing. So, you know, th- there's this idea that they, they've rebooted Dragon Age 4 already. Like, they still have a team working on it, and they've come out, and they said, oh, don't worry, we're, we're still making right, Dragon Age. Yeah. And and then it got out that it was going to be a, a live service game. Then they tried to do some damage control already with that, where they're like, oh, by live service, we just mean it's going to be story DLC, you know. So, I mean, I don't know. Dra- I don't think Dragon Age is happening anytime soon. I'm not even sure if it's... 
a, th a thing that needs to happen anytime soon. Uh, I've kind of yeah, had I mean, my fill of Dragon Age. So I did a little bit of like a little bit. Of this is my reporting. Um, the yeah, it, it does sound like it was rebooted, and it sounds like that is when uh, Mike Laidlaw, who's been sort of the creative director on this series for a while, he left EA, he left Bioware uh, in reaction to that. Um, because he had this whole outline ready to go for the next Dragon Age, and they weren't going to use it, and so he just dipped. Um, and, and yeah, I think that's kind of indicative of where that series is. Like they want to see what Anthem is going to do first before they really do anything with Dragon Age Four. So if they have people working on it, I, I bet it's they're working on it in a secondary capacity relative to their work on Anthem. So yeah, EA it, it just can't place. be a priority right now. I mean, EA isn't. That's right. Well, EA's in a weird place, but Bioware's in a dangerous place, really. I don't think they can affair, um, um, afford... Man, if I was married, that would have been a Freudian slip that would have cost me. I don't think they can affair! <laughs> Thank God I'm single. <laughs> why, why did you say affair on the podcast, Mike? I just didn't mean to. Well, I can see it in your eyes, Mike. I don't think they can afford uh, for Anthem to be anything but a big hit. So, all hands on deck. Starting... Yeah, Sorry. Start Stardew Valley was the most downloaded title for the Switch in 2017. Does this surprise you? Uh, a little bit, but not too much. I mean, I think there was a lot of pent up demand to have that game on a system just like the Switch. I mean, I guess it did. It did come out on Vita. I can't remember actually uh, if it did. I think it did. But uh, I, I think it, when it did hit Vita, it was at a point where most people had put away their Vitas for good. Uh, so coming out on the Switch, kind of right in the middle of the year, that was a good time for that thing to hit. Um, I we have the whole list here. Do you want to go through the list? Yeah, sure. Thanks. So number one, uh, so, yeah. First, you have Stardew Valley. Then you have Minecraft, uh, and then That's Sonic. Awesome. Yeah, Sonic Mania. That's pretty good for Sonic Mania. That's Rocket awesome. League. Yeah. Rocket League. Snipper Clips. Snipper Clips was kind of like the system's first big digital game in a lot of ways, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Overcooked. Shovel Knight, Fast RMX, Kamiko, and then SteamWorld Dig 2. Only a yeah, few of these I, I'm not super familiar with, really. I don't know too uh, much about Kamiko or Overcooked or Fast RMX. Overcooked is that excellent like uh, multiplayer cooperative kitchen management game. Uh, keep, keep an eye out for it. It's awesome. I was about to uh, say, you say that as if I, I should know about it, and I don't, yeah, but should. I do feel like I should because it sounds you fun. You should. It's, it's really a really good party game. Um uh, fa fast RMX is the you know the the not wave race. What is the one? Wipeout sort of clone. Uh, Kamiko. Oh right, right. I know that. I can't now. remember Kamiko. I think Kamiko had like a look like it was kind of like a Zelda. Or like a, any oh, Zelda. is that what that is? is I think I think so. I mean, it's not the newer one. The the blossom. Oh, one. it's not the newer one. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It looks all like Zelda. Kamiko. Yeah. Huh. Uh, I'm glad SteamWorld Dig Two made the top ten though. Yeah, I know That's... you. I know you like your SteamWorld. Oh boy, I, I keep thinking about how good that game is. Like once a day at least. There you go. Um, yeah, it's it's a pretty solid list. I think um, I, I think the good news here is like even if you didn't make this list, it sounds like a lot of developers were still were still making plenty of money on the Switch. Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, I'm I'm getting because I haven't even started Stardew Valley yet. I was waiting for this game to come and switch. Then once it did, I had all these other games to play, and now like all these other digital games coming for the Switch that, that like I really want to play. Celeste and uh -huh. Dead Cells is coming now. Uh, Hollow Knight, Owlboy, like all these all these big like high profile PC indie Metroidvanias are finally coming to the system. I have uh, I barely started. Um, oh gosh, what's that one? The one Metroidvania that looks a lot like Super Metroid Axiom Verge. I just oh, started yeah, yeah. Axiom Verge. Yeah. That's fun. I have so many things to play on the Switch right now, just from indies. It's like indie games just may as well be Switch exclusives anymore. 
like Celeste. Yeah. I can't even imagine playing that on like a PlayStation Four. Yeah, for sure. I mean, is it? Did it come out on those? Like, I guess it did. Yeah. I think it did. Yeah, it did. Like, yeah. but as far as like, you're right. But it feels like it didn't. Yeah, it, like it like doesn't even make sense at a certain point. Like, it, or it almost like seems like just put it out on PC and Switch, and then worry about everything else later. Which I think is what the uh, Human Resource Machine sequel from uh, Tomorrow Corporation is doing. Yeah, uh, yeah I think that's going to be a strategy we're going to see a lot. That's of. that is going to be yeah. We're going to start seeing more Switch exclusives. Like I can almost imagine a world where like. Shovel Knight 2 is just a Switch exclusive, you know? Yeah, I mean, at but, least for, like, a couple of months. Like, it would yeah. make sense. Like, you get the excitement there. People, uh, kind of uh, a psychological thing. Like, oh, yeah, this is my new Switch game. Um, yeah, I don't know. This, this is a bit, deal. this is a little off topic, kind of. But, like, man, I, I was just thinking, I really want Braid on Switch. I know Braid's, like, the OG, like, indie yeah. console game, and it's been on everything. But I, I kind of want that on the Switch. I, I do feel like it would be in Nintendo's interest to slowly build out the eShop on the Switch to the point where it feels kind of similar to Steam, at least in terms of indie games. Mm-hmm. Like, it just has a comprehensive library of the last 10 years of indie releases. Uh, <laughs> at least all the highlights, like Braid. Uh, that would be great, because yeah. I mean, there's a lot of games people would replay or play for the first time, finally, because it's on this really cool form factor. So, moving on, uh, Xbox Game Pass, which is that sort of you know, Xbox, Microsoft uh, service thing that just gives you access to games that you can download as long as you're paying for the service. It's not play- like PlayStation Now. PlayStation Now streams. This is you actually download them. Uh, it's going to add ex- the exclusive Xbox One games um, from like Microsoft Studios as they come out. So Sea of Thieves, uh, Crackdown 3, and State of Decay 2 are going to be like the-, the big ones. So instead of paying, you know, $60 for those games, you could just pay $10 a month and you'll have access to those games. Um, this is it's it's pretty significant. It's not as significant as it might seem, just because Microsoft doesn't have very many ex- like yeah. of their own first party exclusives coming out. But it's still a pretty big move, right? It it, it definitely is a kind of a third place move, right? Like yeah, s- there's something to that. So I I've been thinking about this. This got announced earlier this week, or maybe even like late last week. I can't remember now. Um, but I've been thinking about it a lot and I, I do see like, yes, this is a movie make when you are, are desperate, maybe, but I mean, you hear from Sony as well. Like they're so, they want to be in services. They want to say, Hey, our engagement is, is, you know, such and such. And you see like how much money Netflix spends on content. Um, they have a ton of money coming in and so they're spending a ton of money. And it feels like that opportunity in gaming exists. It's ripe for the taking. Someone needs to do it. Um, EA has had, I think, a lot of success with its with its uh, EA uh, access and uh, or you know origin access or whatever it's called. Um, so so uh, this does feel inevitable, and it's like it, it, uh, it feels pretty progressive and smart. Um, I also think that this is the thing that maybe pushes people over the edge. I think uh, there's people who have looked at Game Pass and saw. Okay, there's a hundred games on here. Maybe I'll do that when I'm like, oh, I need some games. Uh, but people, I think there's, you know, so many games coming out. Or people have such huge backlogs that most people don't ever kind of get to that point where like, oh, I need to like actively pursue this this subscription thing. But if you subscribe to it and now you get the brand new Sea of Thieves and the brand new Halo and the brand new Gears of War, as well as that those like other hundred games that you were like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I'll get around to that at some point. Now you have like a full package, I feel like. This kind of completes it, where you have the, the new stuff, uh, and then you have that, that backlog. And once they have you subscribing and you start playing a couple of those games, um, I think that's going to keep people 
re upping you know month after month because you like play you you know you get halfway through you know whatever uh you know i think the mad max game is on there get halfway through that and like oh you start something else and you're like oh i'll get back back to mad max later i'll keep that subscription going at least until i can do that and i think that just keeps happening over and over and people just end up doing this in the same way like like you know, that you've been probably been subscribed to netflix for years and years or whatever at least mm -hmm. i have um so yeah, yeah I, I think it's pretty smart yeah, I, th I think we're gonna be save these things from everybody eventually. Oh, yeah. uh, and it's like it's weird how like they've been happening very slowly. Like services kind of start and then slowly turn into it, right? right. Like at some point, yeah, it, it's it's gonna be like that for for all of these things. Um, so, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog creator Yuji Naka has joined Square Enix. Do you, do you think this matters at all? I mean, you, you, Yuji Naka hasn't even been at Sega for a bit, um, right? So. Know. I mean, he's like the the guy that like was the big deal with Sonic, right? Yeah, he was, but you know, at, at some point he walked away, and at some point, you know, I'm not sure how strong his involvement was. It's 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 weird. It's one of those weird things that like you want to give him all the credit in the world, but right. you know, he wasn't able to turn Sonic like the best Sonic game ever. He wasn't involved. With, I mean, recently, uh, Sonic right. made yeah, it's like he was involved with that. It's not like his projects since the Sega have been very memorable or anything like that. Yeah, it, so you're probably right. It probably doesn't matter, uh, at least not much. But it, I guess it's interesting to see. Like, I'll, I will be interested to see how this pans out. If he does have like a, a an interesting project uh, that is notable, or if he just sort of gets absorbed into the Square Enix machine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, exactly. It's like what is, what is it's not like he's like what is he gonna make a two D side scroller. Fast game? I don't know. No, probably not. He, he was. So, was he the Shinmu guy too? No, that was the other one. That, I, forget, no. I can't remember. Yeah, uh, he's never. You know, he, he was never quite like a shig, a shiggy tier, right? Like maybe the Sega no. wanted us to think he was, but yeah, not so much. He was not. Rocket League is actively working on cross-platform party support for a 2018 release. You, you're the Rocket League guy. You tell me what this means. Yeah, I mean, so you know, it, it, you're. It, you can play against people on other platforms right now in Rocket League. PlayStation's pretty weird about that. It only lets you do PlayStation and PC. But if you're on Switch, you can play against players on, on Switch, players on PC, and Xbox. Um, now, the, the, the issue there is you can't really team up with your friends if they're on a different platform. You sort of have to all be on the same platform. And then maybe you'll get matchmaked against someone else who's on a different thing. And that's great because now that fills up the game and you can get playing. Uh, but it's a bummer because like then you might feel like oh if I want to play with this group of friends I have to own it on one system if I mm -hmm. want to play with another group I need to own it there. This would really eliminate that, and I, I it's interesting to me because I, I you know, we ha haven't really seen much of this. It does feel like a workaround in part for like Sony's weird restrictive thing yeah. about like trying to keep people from doing cross-platform multiplayer with the other consoles. Uh, but it's like if you can get people like teaming up uh you know it, sony of course would still wouldn't be a part of that uh, i think it's going to get people it would it would put it will put pressure on sony to like hey why can't i do this like my friends on xbox and pc and uh nintendo systems can all do this but we can't what, what's the deal with that um so yeah I, I think it's pretty it's pretty cool it's a pretty bold move yeah, I think it's going to be. It's it's weird to see like people kind of like developers kind of like create their own workarounds for some of these things, right? Right. Like, yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, real quick before I forget, I want to um, you know, I, I you know, I think I might have forgotten the story that. Oh no, it's epic. Epic can't like they. Yeah, I was going to bring it up. Don't worry. Okay. All right. Go, uh, you know what? Yeah. Let's keep going then. 
let's do it right now. Epic Games uh, announced today that they uh, are closing Paragon after just like what earlier in the week or last week saying like, well, we we've moved some people from Paragon to Fortnite as we try to figure out what's going on. They were very honest, like, ah, oh, you know, no one's playing Paragon, so we're not sure what to do. And I was like, ah, oh, the heck with it. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, uh, I I asked on the internet uh, to send me a JPEG of Epic going. Uh, friendship with Paragon is over. Fortnite is my best friend now. Uh, <laughs> which is clearly that is exactly what happened. They were honest about it. That's uh, not surprising. Uh, but I mean, it, and it, Epic is the kind of developer where it seems like th- their games are almost always experiments uh, that are always going to kind of be in service of Unreal Engine in the end. Um, so if, if if something's not working, they can cut it, and I I don't think they're going to ever have too much like hard feelings yeah. about that. It's never going to feel like a complete failure, like that Unreal Tournament thing that they just like totally did completely for free, um, like with like not even like in-app purchases or whatever. Uh, that, that that's I think if they're doing that kind of stuff, clearly they just have money to play with from their Unreal deals. So yeah, mm-hmm. cl- cl- close Paragon, focus on Fortnite. That's the thing that's going to work. Yeah, uh, it is just strange though, because you know that like Paragon was such like a tech showpiece for Epic, like in, in Unreal Engine, in a way that Fortnite really isn't, right? Like Fortnite's not even all that much to look at. No, uh, but like I, I, for that, just real quick though, on that, I, I think what Fortnite is though, it's um, the systems and the back end and uh, getting you know a hundred players in this in a you know giant space and uh, you know how that affects CPU usage and stuff. Uh, I, I, you know, they're introducing a lot of like, the, like Epic just bought a, like a cloud computing company and you could see how that would be very useful for a game like Fortnite where, you know, why would you make every single client system process everything that's happening on the island when everyone's yeah. connected to a server anyhow, just have that server do all those computations and just like feed that information over a network. Um, so figuring out those problems in Fortnite, I think is, is, is a pretty big deal for them. Uh, sure. and, but you're right. It, it, they, they've sort of moved past like the visuals. I think they've kind of already got that nailed down. Unreal is still very good for yeah. them. Yeah. I mean, Paragon's so weird because it was always, it was always so late to that party, the mobile party, right? And it was just wasn't able to. Right. I mean, it's, it's weird. I mean, you know, it's not too surprising it wasn't able to like get attention. It's surprising it got as little attention as it did still. I mean, it was still, you know, Epic Games making this, this thing and promoting it decently, right? So. Yeah, and yeah. it is strange. It's not too often you just hear them like. I mean, the game never even technically left beta. Really, they just were like, "This, this isn't happening." Right. Which has happened yeah. to a lot of mobs. I think that the uh, that DC one basically did the same kind of thing. So yeah, the the I think the EA one didn't even like leave alpha. So yeah. Oh yeah, uh, right. So it's 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 crazy how there's in the mobile market there's room at the top for you know a. Uh, Dota 2 and League of Legends, and there's, like, kind of a third-place spot for, like, maybe Smite. Who even knows what Smite's up to anymore? But really, it really is a two-game show. Right. Yeah, there will be... Other games could make money in that third spot, but they're all, I think it's going to be a rotating chair for a while. But, yeah, that that thing, that, that market is settled. Uh, whereas, the you know, the Battle Royale one, maybe it is settled. We'll find out maybe in a year or two, like, just how yeah. settled it is at this well, point. If right. you're going to chase trends, you need to do it as quickly as they did with Fortnite. That's for right, sure. Exactly. Clearly. All right. So uh, God of War is coming out on April 20th. That's probably about when we would have expected it, kind of later in uh, like that yeah, sort I was, of I was first quarter. March. I was thinking March. But uh, yeah. yeah, this is this is fine. It's, you know, April, I'm sure it'll be a good time for them. 
yeah, I am looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, Hearthstone has some ranked uh, uh, updates. What Basically, <laughs> yeah, it bullshit that you don't like the ideas or you just hate that I'm talking about Hearthstone. I, yeah, I just I don't know what it means anymore. So, yeah, just bullshit in general. So, you know, one of the big criticisms with Hearthstone was that there's a there's a monthly reset for the ladder. Right. And it, it it takes your current rank into consideration, but not by much. So if you're a legend player and that's like top stuff, you would still go down to like rank 13. Or, or, or lower and basically so like for you you would spend like the first week of every month playing against people who are like worse than you just to get back to kind of where you you should be right uh and it was just kind of frustrating for a lot and then because you know people in the lower tiers are like playing against people who are way better than them so like the beginning of the month is always a strange period right nobody uh, liked it is what it sounds like. no one really liked it so what they're doing now is now everybody just goes down four ranks from wherever they were so there's a it's much easier to kind of like build up a lead and, and hold on to that mm-hmm. so if you like end at rank two you can you'll just be at rank uh what's that six that's math uh well for the next month very good yes. mike i know which isn't too bad and the other thing too is to kind of bounce that out too, and to give the lower tier players like more of a sense of progression to make it a little harder to climb out in those really low ranks. It used to be you needed three three wins in a row, not in a row, right. but like you got a star for each one, right? You need three stars to move to your next rank. Then after, then for a bit, it'd be four stars, and at the top tiers, it was five. Now everything's five stars to move forward. Yeah, I think that, these are pretty good changes. It, that does that all sounds very like like it's cleaning up that whole system a little bit. So that's that's nice to hear. Uh, then the kind of last thing here is a uh, player in the background already has 4 million players on Xbox One. Does this surprise you? No. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's selling about as well as it could be. Um, they're updating it and keeping it, keeping it, uh, you know, sort of in the minds of the players that they are going to get this thing up and running the way it should be. It, you know, it's st- it still does have a lot of, a lot of frame rate issues at the very beginning of a match. Uh, there are some issues still when you encounter other players in terms of like hitching and the, like a slight stutter for a little bit. Um, you know, it, I, I think that clearly the, the community has confidence that this game is going to work out just fine. Uh, 4 million sold while it's in the game preview program and it's unfinished, mm-hmm. uh, especially while Fortnite is there and is free. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, it's kind of, a, it's still astounding, even if it doesn't really surprise me too much. And that's that. Yeah, I think that is. Um, I, I, I always feel like I'm forgetting something, but you know, I, it, you know what it is. It's just, I think we have so many games that like we need to be writing about like, and, uh, I got the analog, the super NT from analog. Uh, I'll be doing like a review on that. Oh uh, yeah. I'm, I'm interested in that thing. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. It's really well done. I mean, the tech behind it is just intense, but I can't really talk about it too much. So it's like that kind of stuff is in the back of my head. I'm like, oh, well, I forgot to talk about it, but we just can't yet. So come back next week. We'll have this stuff uh, ready to go for you guys all uh, all to listen to. Um, or you can get our stories about it on gamesbeat.com. Uh, but until then, Mike, we should probably tell everybody where they can find us. Let's start with you. Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Tolkoto, T-O-L-K-O-T-O. I'm always ready to get GamesBeat. We also do the Exploding Barrel podcast every week with my brother, and that's at ebpodcast.com. And you can find me in bed where I will be sleeping and will be very happy about it. Um, uh, also, Jeff Grubb on Twitter and uh, youtube.com slash Jeffrey Grubb. I just put, I, I'm capturing a lot of 4K footage from these games that are coming out, like um, Dragon Ball Z for Dragon Ball Fighters oh, oh, oh. and Monster Hunter on Play, PlayStation 4 Pro. Um, the stuff looks really good. Shadow of the Colossus is, is another one. Uh, so if you want to see what those games look like in 4K, uh, you can check that out. 
it's funny. I actually played some of that in between our like two segments here, and I was, uh, yeah, it does look really good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they sent me the physical copy today. Um, okay, Mike, let's get out of here. Let's end this. Uh, we'll see everybody next week. Until then, have a great weekend, a great week, and yeah, bye. Alrighty.